You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Okay, let's put our best foot forward. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Last week, we talked about how to stop worrying. We dealt with anxiety, or at least I think we dealt with anxiety because essentially what we said was that worrying and anxiety, and even the fears we have in our life, they're all born out of thought. And unfortunately, our minds are designed to think on a loop in such a way that we keep picking negative thoughts over positive thoughts and therefore are predisposed to feeling anxious, predisposed to being worried. Indeed, predisposed to feeling anxious that we don't even have anything to feel anxious about. I've heard it all, mainly from my clients. I've experienced it all at some stage or other along the way as well. But we learned not to stop thinking those thoughts because, you know, those thoughts that are on a loop, what psychology calls our stored knowledge, stuff the most important of which we learned during our formative years, particularly during the third year of our lives, that stuff that's on a loop is personal to us. It's what is designed to ensure that the automatic pilot enables us to make it through the day. That's how we were originally wired for survival from an evolutionary point of view. And we can't just say to ourselves, oh, stop thinking those thoughts. Nor indeed would it be worth our while to try to think positive thoughts to displace those negative thoughts. The dangers of positive thinking, which no doubt we'll talk about at some point along the way. No, what we said was that we need to learn how to think in a different way. And actually what I mean by that in actual practical terms is how to pay our attention to something other than the negative thoughts that we have rattling around in our own head. We started that process last week with a little exercise right at the end of the episode where we spent a moment or two starting to develop our innate ability to pay attention to reality rather than paying attention to the thoughts in our own head. Now, we're going to we're going to have to devote a couple of episodes to teasing what I've just said out. But for today, I specifically want to talk about how we think about what we think is going on in our everyday lives. Because, you know, when I say to people, oh, you need to think about things a different way, or you need to have a different perspective on what is going on. For example, I'm regularly saying to people when something bad has happened to them or something that they think is bad has happened to them, you know, you need to look at that from the perspective of not that this has happened to me, 
but from the perspective that this has happened for me. Because if we look at life from that perspective, everything that happens, good, bad, or indifferent, enables us to put our best foot forward and take another step forward, take another step in the right direction, so to speak, to lead us towards the life that we really, really want. To enable us rise above the pressures of everyday life. To enable us to be the best us or the best version of us that we can be. And regularly, people will respond to what I've just said to you by saying, but hold on a minute. My life is full of crap. Everyday life is full of crap. Whether it's financial crap or crap with my kids or crap with my health or crap with my relationship or crap in my job or my boss's crap, my life is full of crap. And of course, crap happens all of the time. But it's what you think about the crap that will enable you respond and take action in the face of that crap rather than be subsumed by or overwhelmed by the crap. Okay, everyday life is full of challenges as, we, as we've just mentioned. Some challenges are just everyday challenges. In other words, the traffic or the commute or the fact that if you're working from home, the computer link isn't working properly, or the children are screaming while you're trying to work from home. The little things of everyday life, the little things that get under our skin and annoy us, or should I say the little things that we allow get under our skin and allow ourselves to be annoyed by them, or worse, allow ourselves to be annoyed by the fact that we've allowed those things to get under our skin. You see where I'm going with this? I'm talking about thought all over again. That's the little stuff. Then there's big stuff. A health issue. A financial problem. A career problem. All the big stuff that causes us to question whether our goals are really achievable or whether we can ever move our lives in the direction in which we'd really like them to move. Whether it's small stuff or big stuff, this is the stuff of normal life. These are what I would call the waves of everyday life. And what we're trying to do as human beings who want to take control of our state of mind and therefore take greater control of our lives, what we're trying to do is trying to sail through life. For those waves will take our boat up and down. Sometimes they'll wash over our boat. Sometimes they will capsize our boat. But they'll only capsize our boat if we let them. Because really what we need to do as responsible adults in taking control of our own state of mind is deal with the waves rather than be overwhelmed by them. What do I mean by that in detail? Let's take a really practical example. I have a client who got a new job, big new job that he 
dearly wished to have. So you might say to yourself, oh, hold on, here's somebody whose life is moving in exactly the direction that he wanted it to move. But just as an aside, and as an aside we'll come back to as these conversations continue, as I said to him, you need to be awful careful of what you wish for. Because if you wish for something and you set your mind to enable you go and do what you need to do to get what you wish for, you're going to find it very difficult to not get what you wish for. So as these conversations progress, we'll actually be talking about how to set your mind to get what you want. Yes, I will repeat that. How to set your mind to get what you want, because modern neuroscience tells us exactly how to do that. And therefore, the health warning that goes with that is the one that I've just mentioned. We need to be careful what we wish for. Back to my friend who wasn't as careful as he might have been, or at least at this point in time when he contacted me, having got the big job that he wanted, he thought he mightn't have been as careful as he should have been in wishing for the job that he had actually got because this new job was overwhelming him. He was under an enormous amount of pressure in terms of the actual amount of work he had to do on the one hand and on the other hand, the amount of learning he had to go through in terms of getting to grips with the new job in the first place at all. So there was real pressure there. This is the crap we were talking about earlier on. These, these are the challenges that we were talking about a minute ago. There was real stuff going on, real hard pressure. But my friend, in going to bed at night, would start thinking about the real pressure he was under and they, then saying to himself, oh my God, I really am under pressure. And in thinking that way, was amplifying the pressure. Now this happens with us as human beings all of the time in the 21st century. There was a reason for why we would do this 10 or 12,000 years ago because it saved our lives. But in the modern age, when we start amplifying the pressure that we're under, that amplification leads to a total misunderstanding of our pressure and it triggers the stress response. Once we trigger the stress response, we're out of control altogether. Because not only now are we imagining a heightened amount of pressure, our brain is pumping cortisol into our system. It is increasing our heart rate. It is increasing our blood pressure. It is enhancing the amount of fatty cholesterol we produce that clogs up our arteries. It is turning off our digestive system and turning off our immune system. Because clearly, think about this, and this is an aside, but it's an important aside. The stress response is an evolutionary response. It is the most automated response that has built into us because we were designed, we were wired for survival. So if I were trotting through the bushes 10 or 12,000 years ago in search of tonight's dinner and the bushes rustled, and a tiger leaped out of the bushes in front of me, the stress response would be immediately triggered to enable me run away and make it through the day. When the stress response was triggered, it would increase my heart rate and increase my blood pressure to ensure that highly oxygenated blood got to the muscles or the muscle groups that I needed so I could run away. 
it would increase the fatty cholesterol in my arteries so that the blood would slickly flow through very quickly. It would turn off my immune system because I don't need to worry about whether I get next winter's flu or not when my life is on the line. And it would turn off my digestive system because I need have no worries about whether I'm going to suffer from indigestion if I'm about to have my head ripped off. Don't need those things. And in those circumstances, 10 or 12,000 years ago, that stress response would save my life. But if I've just got a new job and there's a mountain of work confronting me, and I'm not even sure how to do that mountain of work because I'm only getting to grips with the new job that I've just got. Thinking about it, adding imaginary pressure to the real pressure is triggering the stress response. With the result that my friend would wake at four o'clock in the morning, go to the bathroom, get physically ill, get back into bed, and be unable to sleep again between that time and when the alarm went off. So now he's added an even heavier burden to himself by getting into the office exhausted. These are the cycles that we get ourselves into when confronted with life's everyday waves. There are no challenges in life. They're just waves. There's only one challenge that you have to confront in your life. There's only one challenge that any of us has to confront in our lives. And that is the challenge of taking control of your own state of mind. When you take control of your own state of mind, you're up for any challenge. The stress response is gone. Some people will say, oh, I'm suffering from good stress now. But there's no such thing as good stress. This is adrenaline being pumped into the system instead of cortisol, the stress, the stress neurotransmitter. Adrenaline, when pumped into the system, enables us to spring into action and do just what we need to do to get to where we want to go. And that is why we need to take control of our state of mind. Because... If we don't take control of our state of mind, we're in a downhill spiral. It's not that we're just going to stay, to use my sailing analogy, sailing through life's big waves. It's not just that we're going to stay in a dead calm, that things are going to settle, settle that we're going to slip into neutral. It doesn't mean that at all. If I don't take control of my state of mind, I am going to look at a little ripple on the water and think that it's a big wave. I'm going to look at a medium-sized wave on the water and I'm going to be overwhelmed by what my mind has made, a tsunami. That's what happens when I don't take control of my state of mind. And you know what? Because I'm allowing the stress response kick in on a regular basis, because I am meddling with my heart rate, my blood pressure, digestive system and my immune system I'm going to die sooner than I otherwise should many of the clients with whom I talk are suffering from stress or at least they think they're suffering from stress and of course if you think you're suffering from stress as we've just explored you are and I keep saying to them you'd be better off 
smoking 40 cigarettes a day. At least you might get a little bit of pleasure out of it because it's going to have the same long-term impact on your health and on your life expectancy. The World Health Organization is very clear on this. Stress is going to kill more people in the 21st century, barring a pandemic, than anything else. Indeed, than any of the following five causes of death put together. We're killing ourselves slowly by looking at the little waves of everyday life and thinking that they're tsunamis. As we said at the beginning of this conversation, our life is full of challenges. We can either look at those challenges and take fright and run away, in which case we haven't dealt with the challenge and the challenge may well get worse and more challenging. Or we can look at the challenge and say, this is something I have to deal with. I might as well, to use Nike's words, just do it. Just do it free of the negative thoughts that are rattling around in our head. Free of our own self-limiting beliefs. Free of our self-doubt. Free of all what cognitive psychology calls. Free of all the little self-referential thoughts that hold us back. That's the choice you have. That's the choice we all have. You can either be overwhelmed by life's little waves, thinking that they're big ones, or you can ride life's waves and sail through life on an even keel, regardless of how choppy the waters become. Let's look at this, this purely from the perspective of what cognitive psychology calls cognitive appraisal how we make sense of what's going on. And actually you'll realize after the next couple of minutes, we never make sense of what's going on when we're using our minds normally on automatic pilot. We always make nonsense of what is going on. Because it is not what is going on that puts us in a spin. It is not what is going on that gets us down. It's what we think about what's going on that gets us down. Now, you might say to yourself, hold on, okay, I need to evaluate what's going on, but that's not the kind of thought I'm talking about. I'm talking about the self-referential thought, self-limiting beliefs, self-doubt that I mentioned a minute ago. And this very often happens subconsciously, so you won't be aware of the, of the why you feel down. You won't, be, you won't be able to put your finger on it and say, I'm feeling down or I'm feeling anxious because of X. Because very often the X is subconscious and mostly the X is repetitive and goes all the way back to the stuff we learned about ourselves, good, bad and indifferent, when we were three or four years old. So it's not what's going on that gets us down. And actually, it's not what we think about what's going on that gets us down. It is what we think about what we think is going on that gets us down. So already we're two steps removed from reality. But it's actually one step worse than that. If you look at it from the perspective of how the subcortical brain and the thinking brain combine to try to evaluate what's going on. It isn't what's going on that gets us down. It isn't what we think about what's going on that gets us down. It isn't even what we think about what we think is going on that gets us down. It is what we think about how we think we can cope with what we think about 
what we think is going on. Wow. We're many, many steps removed from the reality of the moment. And the real problem is that every single step that I've just mentioned involves thinking. And every time we think, we draw from the well of thoughts that are rattling around our head day in, day out, that are not about what's going on, but about how we learned to cope with situations when we were three or four years old. I've mentioned already in, I think, our second episode, I've mentioned stored knowledge. Stored knowledge being the 70,000 thoughts that swing through our head every day. Stored knowledge is the stuff that is, as the name might suggest, stored in our subconscious mind from our formative years. I'm 62. If something happens me now, in 2020, I am going to think about what's going on, drawing on my stored knowledge of what I think about is going on, which I learned in 1958, 1959, 1960, and had a push, 1961. There is no chance in the world that I am going to know exactly what is going on by thinking about it. I need to get to grips with what is actually going on and put my stored knowledge to one side. How do I do that? As I said before, you don't think different thoughts. You don't try to think positive thoughts to supplant the negative thoughts. You don't try to think through things at all. Instead, we need to, as the University of Massachusetts Medical School says, we need to come to our senses. You have five of them. You see, feel, hear, smell and taste. Normally, if we see something that's going on, in order to make sense of the simple visual raw data that is coming in through our visual system, we add our stored knowledge to it and end up thinking about what we see is going on and coming to the conclusion that something is going on that may or may not be going on at all. This happens most often when somebody says something to us and because our perspective is coloured by who we think they are, what we think about them, how we feel about ourselves and the mood we're in at this moment in time, having added all that to what we've just heard, we actually end up hearing something completely different from what was just said. This is what is happening all of the time when we are not in control of our own state of mind, when we're using thought, stored thought, to try to make sense of the here and now, to try to make sense of life's big waves. We need to come to our senses. That is what the little exercise at the end of our second episode was all about. We need to learn how to pay attention to what is going on and stop thinking that we know what's going on or stop thinking about what we think is going on or stop thinking about how we think we might be able to cope with what we think about how we think about what we think is going on. Mad, 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 mad stuff. We need to come to our senses. We come to our senses 
by practicing. Seeing, feeling, hearing, smelling and tasting without adding those automatic thoughts. This is all scientifically validated. It won't just stop us thinking those useless thoughts. It won't just stop us thinking that we know what's going on. It won't just stop us thinking that we may not be able to cope with what we think about what we think is going on. This is scientifically validated to change how we see our world. And most importantly, how we see ourselves. If you take control, or should I say when you take control of your state of mind, you're going to be up for anything. As I said earlier on, it's the only challenge there is in your life. Everything else is the stuff, the flotsam and jetsam of ordinary everyday life, the little ripples, the big waves. We need to ride those waves by coming to our senses. So as we finish this particular episode, I want you to set aside a little bit of time at some point today. We're not talking about hours. We're not even talking about a quarter of an hour. Five minutes will do for what I'm about to suggest to you. I want you to get out in the fresh air at some point today. Now, if you're saying to yourself, oh, I'm, I'm so busy, I don't have five minutes to get out in the fresh air today. Then you're thinking in the way my friend who was getting up at four o'clock in the morning to be physically ill was thinking. Of course you have five minutes. Five minutes to make the other 23 hours and 55 minutes so much better. I want you to get out in the fresh air for five minutes at some point today and go for a stroll and simply see feel, hear, smell and taste where you are without evaluating what you're looking at or hearing or feeling, without thinking about it, without judging it, simply observing what you see, feel, hear, smell and taste. Nothing could be simpler. And nothing could be more difficult for the simple reason that as ordinary adults living, oh sorry, existing each day on automatic pilot, we're constantly judging, we're constantly evaluating, we're constantly prejudging based on our prejudices. Because if you think about it, the thoughts that I'm using to make sense of 2020 learned in 1960 are prejudices. I am prejudging everything. So you might go out for your five minutes and find it quite difficult. It doesn't matter. The discipline of going out for five minutes is what's important. It is another step in the right direction. And isn't that what our conversations are all about? Love to hear from you. You can join my Facebook group, same name as the podcast, To Succeed, Just Let Go. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to have a conversation with you because the stuff we're talking about here is life-changing. And whilst conceptually sometimes it, we can tie ourselves in knots by thinking about it, once you actually feel it, 
Once you actually go for a stroll and you do simply see, feel, hear, smell and taste where you are, you enter into a different way of seeing the world and a different way of seeing yourself, a different way of seeing your life and a different way of living your life. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-dash.com.